0: hello 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 friends welcome to the year 2023 the next episode of the pacers pod a little bit longer of a gap than what i would i, I would uh would like in, in recordings here i feel like uh i blinked and missed the first part of the season as far as recording um i've been watching the games for sure uh, it's one of those things, you get behind the eight ball, and then all of a sudden, it, it just feels like more and more of a challenge to get back on the mic. Um, it's like you're falling behind. So, I'm ripping off the bandaid, back on the mic, and uh, you know, just want to talk about the Pacers, and it it just so happens we're we're just over halfway through the season. Um. I do regret not getting on here earlier because the last game that the Pacers played against the Knicks, uh, I'm recording this on Friday, January 13th, uh, right about 7 o'clock. So the Pacers are just about to, to tip off against the Hawks um, in the first game without Tyrese Halliburton, who unfortunately went down, who left Madison Square Garden with, in crutches um in the last game, which i be- it was on uh Wednesday, I believe uh had I got this episode out before that, you know everything everything was good uh I'm gonna try to keep like the positive um positive vibes on this episode, but I do unfortunately, you know that's a this might be a big thing that happens on this season. Um, for the Pacers, so there is a little bit of fog that I'm gonna have to get through here early with this Tyrese injury. Um, I don't think we really know how bad it it is yet. It uh, what we've heard so far is that you know Tyrese in the game against the Knicks, it was like the middle of the third quarter or so, had a real awkward looking drive. Not the drive wasn't awkward. It was the uh, the the finish at the basket that was awkward and he landed weird with his knee uh also so he so Tyrese has they, they classified this as a mild bone contusion on his left knee and a sprained left elbow so two injuries on one play um left knee left elbow um two weeks at least so you know, they're like he's not going to play for the next two weeks. We're going to reevaluate. Uh, the last I heard, they were they did an MRI. They were, and then they were going to get another opinion on the MRI. I don't know what the first opinion was. Um, you know, but this is I I can't help but think about you know the Victor Oladipo injury or the Paul George injury. You know, or even like. You can kind of loop it into the Colts, too, like Peyton Manning injury and Andrew Luck injury. Indianapolis kind of has like a thing where we have like these super, superstar ascending players. And then there's like injury. So like I'm just saying that. Um, Obviously, hoping that this isn't anything serious, serious. I doubt it would be if they're saying two weeks like with when Oladipo went down, it was like he's out. You know, he's out for this season. We'll see what happens. Um, so hopefully Tyrese comes back and this is just hopefully, the, hopefully the two weeks was just kind of like a precautionary um, buffer and not like, uh, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. It, it sucks. It sucks to see Tyrese get injured Um, because of like everything that I want to talk about for the rest of the podcast is under the assumption that Tyrese is healthy and that Tyrese is playing like he was up until midway through the third quarter of the Knicks game. Um, you know, but still kind of kind of going through the fog here. It's like he's gonna miss the next seven or eight games. And it does make you wonder, like, what happens, what happens to this Pacer team when we don't when we don't have the engine that's making this thing run that's i mean because the because you know all right so like just to fill in the gaps here it's like my last the last podcast i did was like eight games into the season um pacers were like three and five i think something along those lines maybe four and four now there's been a big gap and in that gap it's like there was a you know we were we we had like a rough road trip out west but for the most part man it's like it's, it's been A-plus as far as, like, I mean, the paces have blown out all expectations of everybody, including me. And I think I was probably higher on this team than most. I don't know if I was necessarily higher on the team as much as just saying, like, if Halliburton and Mathrin are the type of players that we can build a championship contending team around, by default, we're gonna we're gonna need to be winning some games. So like, I think I was maybe just like, I thought the Pacers would be better than the Pistons and better than the Hornets and better than the Wizards and better, you know, like better than the Magic, better than these bottom feeder teams, just on the fact of like hope hoping that Halliburton makes the leap that he has shown to do, um, and hoping that Mathern is the type of rookie, who not type of rookie, but the type of player that. Um, You know, can be a can be a foundational piece on like a championship contending team. So I don't know. It's just like they were doing it. They, I mean, they were they they blew past my expectations. Uh Vegas had the Pacers at 24 and a half wins for the season. At the time of recording, the Pacers are 23 and 19, just barely over the halfway point in the season. They're sitting at seventh place in the East. That game against the Knicks dropped him from sixth to seventh. So technically, like you know, like if the season ended right now, we'd be in the play-in tournament. Um uh with every opportunity to make the playoffs. But uh I don't know. We'll just have to see. It's just like it's it's just tough. It sucks that that Halliburton got injured. I really, really hope that you know he's in two weeks he hopefully all he misses is is like seven or eight games here. He comes back after that point and, 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 you know, we don't miss a beat that that's best case scenario. It just, there's a, there's like a cloud that has kind of come over us. And there's a chance now that, you know, may like maybe the second part of this season isn't as rosy as the first part. And even if that's the case, i I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world for this team. And I'll kind of get into that probably a little bit later, but uh, just just wanted to kind of, you know, clear the air a little bit as far as like, you know, this injury to Halliburton could be a big deal. It could change the whole tone of everything. But because I haven't recorded in a while, it's like I want to dip into the fun times that we were having before the game with the Knicks. Um, and, and the first thing, now that the fog is as passed on this podcast, and we're just gonna pre- not pretend that Halliburton didn't get injured, but just kind of looking back over the past couple months, it's like my appreciation it, for this for this team is through the roof. Like, I'm I have I have very similar vibes to that. 2017 2018 season when the Pacers came out of nowhere uh, with Oladipo and 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 just like the team was the team just had a vibe about them that they were just like they were having fun they were connected it it didn't matter who was scoring the buckets um, they they're just I don't know we just we just didn't have that the past couple seasons and it's back this year and it's just so much fun to watch um it's so fun to watch the pacers they play fast they score a lot they they shoot a ton of threes at one point they were leading the league in three-point attempts I'm not sure if that's still the case or not but they're just gunning they gun um and then just everything that I hear from all the players and the coaches it's it's the same message and it's about the team first and you know like really rooting for every single guy on this team to to uh you know to achieve to, like uh, i don't know it's like there's not a there's not a um, there's not an ego on this team it feels like from the outsider perspective that is kind of sucking the juice out of of the success it's like it's a team it feels like the team is succeeding and the whole team is is kind of vibing off that success that we've experienced the first half of the season and it doesn't, you know, it, and it starts with Tyrese Halliburton and Tyrese Halliburton this, the first half of this season. Um, I did an episode back in the summer about like the best point guards in the league and like kind of where Tyrese might might stack up and how he could maybe ascend. And, and that's exactly like what he has done this for the first part of the season is just, he's ascended the NBA ranks. I mean, he. It's on national, like if you listen to Bill Simmons's podcast or, I mean, you know, he's he's been he's been toted as like an all NBA type player. He, he's clearly an all star. Um, we'll see what this injury does. Hopefully that doesn't hurt him too much. Um, but as a as a Pacer fan, it's like the best case scenario is in play for us. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton has shown that he is a foundational piece. On a championship-contending team, I—I th- I don't think that question was answered prior to the start of this season. I mean, we hoped, I hoped, I hope that he was, but there were questions, and I think he's answered all those questions. Um, he's shown that he can—he can lead a team, uh, not just—not just on the court, but off the court, just kind of being the identity of a team. Halliburton is just, hes he's been such a stud. He's been such a joy to watch. Um, makes you really, really thankful that we made that trade last year. As hard as it was to see Sabonis go, it's like Halliburton, Halliburton just raises the ceiling of this team in a way that Sabonis never was going to be able to do by himself. Um, you know, Halliburton seems like the way that he plays, uh, being a pass-first point guard, it's like, he could be your number one player. Uh he's not a number one scoring option on the championship contending team, but his combination of scoring and passing and being the floor general, it's like okay. Yeah. He can be the best guy. He can be our he he can be our all NBA player. Um you know and I'm I'm just really happy for Tyrese for the season that he's had. It sucks to um, this will be the last time I mention this injury, maybe, but like, had he not, like, we'll, we don't, I don't know what this injury is going to be, but, you know, prior to this game against the Knicks, it was like, I remember prior to the season, I was watching a podcast with him and his trainer, Drew Hanlon. Um, and Tyrese was talking about his goals. And, you know, one of his goals, he had three goals. They were to be a first team All NBA to be a multiple time all-star and to be an NBA champion. And you know, it I mean, I don't think anybody would have thought they're not like super crazy goals, but they were loft, those are lofty goals. I mean, that's that's that is the that is the upper echelon of the NBA to be I mean, to be first team all NBA I mean, is is insane. And um, you know, Tyrese is 22, I believe. Maybe maybe he's about to turn 23. Um he he he's having a season. I would expect him to definitely be an all-star for sure. So it's like, okay, you're looking at those three goals, multiple time all-star. All right, check, you know. Um along with that, you know, he mentioned he wanted to be a 20 and 10 guy. And if you look at his stats, that's exactly what he's averaging so far this season. Uh first team all NBA. You know, Bill Simmons, who's one of the most respected voices on the NBA, you know. Um he mentioned mentioned Tyrese Halliburton as an All NBA candidate, not necess- not first team, um, you know. But you only get you only get three teams, so like if if Halliburton's going to be anywhere and sniff if anywhere sniffing the All NBA, I mean that's just like that's talking. You're talking fantasy world right now. If you go back a couple months, like before the season started, and, and you told me that Halliburton was going to be an All NBA player this year, it's like hell yes, hell yeah. That sign me up for that. Like. We're ahead of schedule, and and I really do believe that's what this whole team is right now. Is we're just ahead of schedule. Like, obviously, like you know, people thought we were going to suck. Um, people thought we would we would be in line for, you know, a top five, top four pick in the draft this next upcoming season, and um, you know, I uh, the pay- we're just ahead of schedule. Like our like Halliburton's that good, and Matherin is that good, and Halliburton's making the guys around him that much better, um, so you know he, he has a goal of being first team All NBA, and you got to say you know he's he's on his way this year. He's making he's made so much progress this year. Um, just makes you really happy to have him as uh, the engine on on this team. Um, statistically, you know he made a big he's made a big leap. In his games, like so, he got traded to the Pacers last year, right? Um, played 26 games with the Pacers. He averaged 17 points, nine assists, four rebounds, um, on th- in 36 minutes of action. This year, he's averaging 20 points, ten assists, four rebounds, in three less minutes. He's averaging less turnovers, getting more assists. Uh, his shooting splits are, are are pretty similar. Right now, he's at 48 percent from the field, 40 percent from. Free uh sorry, 40% from three and and 88% from the free throw line. So he's sniffing that 50-40-90. Super efficient. I mean, you know, averaging 10 assists and only two and a half turnovers per game. I you're talking about what is that? That's a four to one assist to turnover ratio. Tyrese has just been he's just been dominant. He 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 is he has taken the leap, he's put the league on notice, he's put the pacers. In the conversation of, you know, like best young cores, like most promising future. This is stuff that we were so far away from a year ago today. We were so far away from this a year ago. It's amazing what, what one year can do and what a player like Tyrese Halliburton can do for a franchise. Um, Tyrese is leading the league in assists. He's third in steals. He's top 10 in three-pointers made. Um. He's shooting the ball. He's leading the he's leading the team in field goal attempts right now. He's he's averaging like 15 shots a game, followed by Buddy Heels averaging 14 and, and Matherin's averaging 13. Um, so statistically, Halliburton has just been incredible. Like. He, it, it just goes to show because when you're watching the game, you, you know, you feel it. You feel like he's he's obviously the best player on the Pacers. He, I, like, the thing I love, one of the things I love the most about Halliburton is just, like, the easy shots that he can create for his team. Like, there's so many easy shots under the bucket that our bigs are feasting on because of the way that Halliburton plays and the way that he's looking for guys and his ability to look off defenders. Um, it, it's, just, it's just awesome to watch. I think outside of like his on the court play. Also, just I'm buying into Halliburton's ability to be a a true leader on the team and to be a uh, to be like a culture creator, a, a tone setter. And and that's just what I mean. I was talking earlier, you know, just about this the Pacers team and how everything the players are saying in their interviews lines up with what the coaches are saying, and it just feels like the whole. The whole unit is is in is in uh, is in unison, and I, I I have to say like you got to give a bunch of that credit to Tyrese Halliburton, um, just his style of play on the court, kind of feeds that type of mentality as a team. When it's like if your best player is looking for all the other players, if you're one of those other players, you, you kind of got to be like. I don't know, just like it doesn't make sense for you to just be so selfish in a way if your best player is not. Uh, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, I just think I think you also have to give credit like as far as like setting the tone and setting the culture for this this team. You got to give a lot of credit to the veterans that they brought in, like James Johnson. He seems to be uh, seems to be a, a really positive voice. T.J. McConnell on and off the court in practice, seems to be a very, very positive player. Um, Halliburton, is he's just, he's confident, he's humble, selfless, he empowers his teammates, um, and this team is just bought in. I, I There was a moment, um, there was a game on that, ro- there was a road trip that they took out West, and uh, it was the one where Andrew Nimhard, uh, who I'll definitely talk about here in a little bit, uh, Nimhard hits a game-winning shot, against the Lakers. It was a three-pointer. The Pacers were down 17 in the fourth quarter of that game. And then they come back and they beat the Lakers in LA. Halliburton makes an insane play at the end of the game, like four seconds left. He gets the ball. He has like, he has the ability to shoot like a difficult shot or he can pass it to to Buddy Heald, who's going to have like a difficult shot or actually not really a difficult, but like a contested shot. But Halliburton makes the play to cross the ball across like throw the ball across the court to Nimhard who's open and Nimhard just knocks down the three and just the joy that the whole team uh the the celebration was just it was so much fun it was it was just such a such a cool moment to see all the guys you know just so excited for not only Nimhard but just the team to make this run and to finish the game and to come back and win Another, t- like another highlight of the season so far was the game against Miami, um, where if I remember, yeah, actually, I do remember this correctly, like uh, the Pacers had played the Heat and the Heat shut down Halbert he ended up with one point in a game where the Heat, the Heat won. It was a super low scoring game, but Halburton only got one point. And then the next, the next time they faced off, it was in Miami and Halliburton just, he started cooking. And he sets the franchise record for 10 three-pointers in a game. This is all in regulation as well. And he hits a buzzer-beater three, closes the game with 43 points. And the same celebration that, that Nimhard received at the Lakers game, I mean, it was tenfold for the Miami game, where, where Halliburton's the one that, that is the shining star at the end of the game. And just to see the, see the, see the way the team celebrates you know the success of of their best player was it was just a, it was a joy to watch and uh and and to see Halliburton kind of respond to the game that he had prior to the with, with the heat was was awesome um and i just think i think you know we, we just have so many more of those moments to come and so it it's just been such a joy watching this team and Halliburton you know i was struggling at the beginning of the season what jersey to pick. I was either going to get Halliburton or Matherin. I went with Halliburton. And then Matherin took off from, I mean, out of the gates. I mean, this dude was just, and he's still been balling. And I'm going to talk about Matherin, but like, I picked Halliburton and I think it would. I think Halliburton as good as matherin has been, Halliburton has been better. Halliburton has had a better season thus far. Um, it doesn't matter the jersey. It's just the fact that like, you know I'm just pumped. I'm pumped for Halliburton. I'm pumped for this team moving forward. i I'm gonna bring it up again. Hopefully, this it hopefully this injury is just something of the past and it's not something that lingers very long. Uh so yeah, the first thing, like if you're talking about this the season so far, it's like it starts with Tyrese Halliburton, the engine of the team. Um the second, like, the second big thing that I think about so far with the season is just the, the the Kevin Pritchard and the, the Pacers, uh, you know, front office, they, they nailed the 2022 draft. We had the sixth pick. We had the 31st pick. We got Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nimhard. And these guys, these guys are special to, to start the season here. Like, first off, Benedict Matherin, who if you listen to this podcast, you know, you know, I've got a special place in my heart for Benedict. I wanted I wanted the Pacers to get Benedict over Jaden Ivey, Keegan Murray. Those are really the guys kind of in the range that the Pacers could potentially have taken. Um, And really, they had no choice because both those guys were taken ahead of them. So they took Matherin. But I wanted Matherin in the draft. And uh he, he has been, he, he's been, uh, I would, so like I said, like, I think if you're going to grade, if you're going to grade the players the first part of the season, like Halliburton, Halliburton's been an A slash, you know, A plus. If, like, I, I'd almost say you got to give him an A plus, but, you know, some people don't want to give A pluses. Halliburton's just been, he's been that good. Matherin. Mathurin's been like an a A minus in my opinion. He he is he's shown for sure that he is he can score the basketball. Um, the big question, I think, with this team, a big question around Mathurin, for me, is like, is Benedict a number one option for Tyrese Halliburton on a championship contending team? Number one option as far as offensively is what I have in mind with that question too. And I I think, I think so far you'd have to say maybe Um, he has some, he has some really, 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 really bright spots in his game. Uh, The fact that he can offensively, you know, he can basically take anybody off the dribble and his ability to finish in the paint with an and one and draw fouls—it's—it's it's shocking to me. Every, I mean, every game, it just feels like there's two or three plays where you're just like, oh my god, like he made that, and he's going to the free throw line. Um, he gets to the free throw line at an insane pace. Yeah, uh, he's averaging six free throw attempts a game in 28 minutes, which. I was looking up the free throw attempt leaders in the game and at six a game, he's 19th currently in the NBA. But then if you look at like all the players around him, like they're all they're all playing like thirty five, thirty three, thirty six, you know, minutes a game. He's the only one that was in the 20s. And, you know, that's all, he's he's not getting a ton of minutes because he's coming off the bench still Um but the fact that he's he's getting to the free throw line as much as he has, I don't think that's something that goes away. Uh, I think as as Matherin continues to mature and as he gets into years, like three, four, five, like we might be looking at like eight attempts a game, 10 attempts a game, and he's going to start to, I don't know, just his, his, his ability to to use his athleticism against NBA players and draw fouls. And the fact that he knocks down his free throws—he's currently shooting 82, um, which is a, which is certainly above average. I, I, you know, it, it's like, all right, this is just this is the base layer that we're starting from for his rookie season. Hopefully, that 82 ticks up to like 85, 86. And he's got a beautiful shot. I mean, so it's like there's no reason he can't be. A, a, he's already a good free throw shooter, but um, you know, that could get better, and then with more attempts. Um, I don't know. It's just like, he's definitely shown that he can get to the hoop. He can draw fouls. Um, He has struggled a little bit shooting the three. Uh, So like if you look at his percentages, he's shooting 42% from the field, 33% from three, 82% from the free throw line on 13 shots a game. Of those 13 shots, almost five of them are threes. So he's doing most of his work. Inside the three-point line, but he's still putting up a good amount of threes, um, which I like to see. I And I started this uh, a while ago. I just kind of drawn the comparison between Matherin and Anthony Edwards, who plays for the, the Timberwolves, who's, who's an outstanding player. Um, but if, if you look at Anthony Edwards' rookie year, he averaged 19 points a game compared to, to where Matherin's at now at 17 Edwards averaged four and a half rebounds, um, Benedict's at four Edwards averaged three assists. This is where Benedict is, is, is nowhere close. He's, he's only averaging one assist a game. Edwards was doing that on 32 minutes a game where, um, you know, Benedict, I said, you know, he's at 28. So four less minutes, you know, you could think like, Hey, in four minutes, maybe he's getting a bucket. He's he's not there on the assists, But then if you look at their shooting splits, this is where it's really interesting. Matherin's at 42% from the field. Anthony Edwards was at 41. Matherin's at 33% from the three. Edwards is at 32. Matherin's at 82% from the free throw line. Edwards is at 77. And Edwards was shooting 17 shots a game where Matherin's only getting 13. And Edwards was also only getting to the free throw line four times a game, where Mathurin's at six. So efficiently, like in, a, in a, if you're looking at it through in like an efficiency lens, Mathurin's having a better season as a rookie than Anthony Edwards did. And I like that comparison to Edwards because I see Matherin as having like potentially a similar similar role where it's like with Halliburton cooking as a point guard, Mathurin is. Is our number one scoring option. And I like, I want to see, you know, I've always said like maybe Matherin can be like a 25 point per game scorer. He's, he, his, his first half of his rookie season, there's a lot of things that we can kind of talk about that aren't rosy. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot here that is really good. Like, I think, you know, the free throw attempts are huge, the free throw percentage is good. Um, his ability to get get guys off the dribble is great. His strength in the paint, his his ability to finish is great. Um, and and you know, I think as a rookie, it's like he's twenty years old, right? Like we're not he's we're not I, you can't compare him to you can't compare him to like where Edwards is today. Um, but. At the same time as like I want to praise Matherin because I do I love Matherin I'm so glad that he is on this team and that he's the guy that we ended up getting, um, you know, it when I'm watching him play and when I'm thinking about him as a number one, like weapon for Tyrese moving forward, um, you got to think about like all right what else besides, scoring the basketball. Can Mathrin do at the NBA level? And that's what we haven't really seen a ton of. I mean, his rebounding is decent for sure. Um, but he's only had two games out of the 42 games that the Pacers have played. He's only had two games where he's had four assists or, or more. I think one game he had like five. So he, he really is not for as much as he's playing like he's he's not getting other guys looks he's and that probably comes down a lot to like being able to like make the read as to like what the defense is doing to you and and know where the open guy might be or something like I don't know um but I think that that's one that's like a huge area where it's like maybe we'll see a lot of of, of not necessarily that like I don't I don't care if Matherin is like a five, like if he averages five assists a game like I don't care like he doesn't have to average five assists a game but you just want him to be able to make the right play. And that's probably something that's going to come with just time. And um, the other thing, it's like he also turns the ball over a little bit more than what you would like. I mentioned with Tyrese Halliburton, for example, like he's a four to one assist to turnover ratio guy. Matherin's averaging one assist a game and he's averaging one point eight turnovers per game. So he's like he's negative, right? He's like a 0.5 assist to turnover ratio guy. Um, it, you know, another, like some of the other things, like, okay, when I'm watching the games, sometimes I find myself being like, like looking at Matherin and I'm like, like, get back into play. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, don't be talking about this play right now. Like get back on defense. Or I feel like he does a lot of not only talking to the refs, but kind of like give it gives up on plays sometimes. Uh, I know earlier in the season, I, I remember a lot of the times he would, he would call for the ball all the time. I mean, you know, all the time he's calling for the ball and it almost looks like when he, he, cause he wasn't getting the ball that often or if he, okay, he does get the ball a lot, but many times when I would notice him call for the ball, he wouldn't get the ball. And it's like he would then, it's not like, he kind of just like checks out of the play. Like all of a sudden you see him when you're watching the game and he's kind of like on a part of the screen that's not involved in where the action is and not necessarily like, it's like the secondary moves. Like, okay, like, no, you should still go get in this position because if the ball, like if the guy misses the shot, then this guy could have a chance to get an offensive rebound. But the fact that you're not like going at, like you're not getting in position to get the guy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's, that's just one of the things i've noticed like i just feel like there's there's still quite a few quite a few possessions in a game where i'm watching and i'm thinking man how or or Math- just seems like he's not in the play or like he's already, he's kind of given up on the play and so and the biggest thing the, my biggest regret so far of the season and it's and it's just a matter of the fact that that mathern comes in off the bench and and i prefer that he would start Um, however, you know, it's working out. It's, it's all good. Like I get, he comes in off the second unit and gets to cook on his own. I would prefer that he was start because like he, he has to be like, to me, he's got to be the starter, um, on this team moving forward. So it's like, why not just, this is a year about developing our guys. And, 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 and the reason that I want to see him start is because I want to see him in Halliburton develop some type of chemistry and and that's what I feel like we just we haven't seen much of it yet and it it seems like they're too it's it's like it's not that they don't have the ability or like that they don't want to to have a chemistry together it's I think it's just a matter of the fact that like Mathern's cooking when Halliburton's on the bench and vice versa. Uh, for the most part, I mean, they do play a lot together and it it just i i just haven't this is why it's just like a my biggest like disappointment so far it's because like I would have hoped to see a lot more oh Hallibur, like number zero double zero the combination of those two together like look out and um i I just haven't got enough of that for my liking so far, but at the same time um you know, it's been great. I mean, overall, this this start of the season has been awesome. And that's just something kind of minor. And it's early. Like, you know, it's not like Matherin is in his third year and he's still coming off the bench. Um, But we'll see. So so overall, Mather, Matherin has been been awesome. I can't wait. I love I like it's the most fun. I love watching Matherin with the ball. Um, but then under like you know under the under the point of like the slam dunk of the 2022 draft the other guy is andrew nimhard who has been um let me see like nimhard has been the most surprising for me player of the of the pacers this season he is the he is kind of like the the best the best treat that we have had. Halliburton making the leap was awesome because it's like, oh man, he is franchise altering Halliburton or sorry. I don't know what I said first there. I meant to say Halliburton making the leap is franchise altering and it's great. Matherin proving that he can score in the NBA is, is a treat because it's like, yes, this guy can score. It goes great with Halliburton. Nimhard, Andrew Nembhard, starting, um, he started the last 22 games of the season. Um, and his he is just the coolest, the coolest of customers. Um, you know, he was drafted with the, for, he was the first pick of the second round. The Pacers locked him up for four years. It was like the biggest, um, what was it, like the biggest contract that a, like a, a second round rookie had ever signed. And boy, does that look smart. That looks like a great signing uh, for the Pacers. Andrew Nembhard, it's not a perfect analogy, but he just kind of reminds me of, like, the guard version of Draymond Green in the sense that, like, he just does everything. He is the ultimate glue guy. He does everything well. There's, like, no holes in his game. He, he doesn't force it. He he doesn't... Yeah, it's like... Like a guy like... Um, like Chris Duarte, for example, when Chris Duarte comes in, it's like if Duarte is not scoring the ball. You're really kind of looking around like, all right, what are you doing here for us? Andrew Nimhard, he can score. He doesn't he doesn't necessarily look to score unless we need him to score a little bit. Um, but like defensively, Nimhard, he is so strong. He guards the best players. The best like non big men players on the other team. Um, he's averaging a steal per game. He, I mean, he just he just takes on the best assignments, and with Halliburton being our stud, it's awesome to pair him with Nimhard because it's like, all right, offensively Halliburton cooks, defensively uh, Nimhard does does the dirty work. He he is the he is like our he's our unsung hero. And he, and I can't believe how good he already is. Um, offensively, like I said, like he plays the ball, like he plays very patiently. He's his ability to handle the ball and and play make for others, his efficiency shooting. He's got ridiculous splits. Like he's, I I, I couldn't believe this when I looked it up. He's shooting 47% from the field, 40% from three, 90% from the free throw line. Granted, he's not getting to the free throw line a ton. He's not taking a ton of shots. But that's, I mean, this is why he's such a perfect, I mean, this he's so good. He's so good because it's like he's not putting up a ton of shots, but when he does shoot, he's shooting amazing. And that's why it's like he, the Draymond Green comparison doesn't fit that well because Draymond's not like a great offensive player. But Nimhard is just, he's just a guy that does a little bit of everything at an above average level and it's just such a great filler for the team. Um, he's a team first guy. No questions about it. I remember uh, this summer after the Pacers had drafted him. It stood out to me. Um, listening to Setting the Pace podcast when they they had Andrew Nimhardt on and they talked about, you know, oh, like what if you end up like playing some time in the G League and Nimhard was all about it he's like yeah like I I just I want to play if if the team thinks like I need to be in the G League to uh you know get some reps and and to run an offense and and get some reps doing that then I'm all about it and like I just love that type of humbleness and that approach and it just it fits so perfectly with the culture and the team that that we're building here to to become a contender I, I i i couldn't i and it was interesting i was thinking back to it's been a gap right since my lap, the last time i recorded but i recorded a podcast like 8 games into the season and one of the like in my notes i saw i talked about like it, 3 to 5 years from now like who on this current roster, do I see the Pacers, like, certainly, like, building, like, who who can you kind of, like, pencil in three to five years from now is, like, what our team could be like, because that's what I'm thinking are, if we're going to win a championship, that's probably when it's going to happen, and so, obviously, it was Halliburton, and it was Matherin, and then the third guy I put on there was Nimhard, and it's certainly, that's a, there's a stronger case to make about that now than there was at that point, because, Not only is Nimhard starting, but he's had some crazy games. And the fact that Halliburton just got injured, you know, we're going to see the next two weeks. I would assume a lot of that ball handling responsibility is going to fall on Nimhard. And we're going to get to see what he can do. He's an older rookie. You know, he I think he was a four year guy in college, at least three, because I know he played at Florida, then transferred to Gonzaga. So, you know. Comparing him to to Matherin, it's like, well, Matherin's 20 and Nimhard's maybe 23. So he's got, he's just got more polish to his game. And and Matherin doesn't necessarily have to be the type, he's not going to be the type of player that Nimhard is. But Nimhard can come in and just kind of contribute right away. And he's been doing that. Um, He has just been, he's been awesome. Nimhard's been awesome. That's all I can really say. Um the next thing this is kind of a downer, but oh, going into the season we had a we had a group of prospects that I was very, very, very excited to see take a leap the way that Halliburton and Matherin and Nimhard kind of have, and 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 nobody really has yet. Um so like these young prospects, they've not taken a step forward. Uh, I'm I'm not giving up at this point on any one of these guys, but at the same time, they've been given opportunity. Well, some have been given opportunity. I'm talking about Jalen Smith, Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. I was more bullish on all three of those players before the season started than I am tonight. And, uh yeah, you know, I'll start with like J- Jalen Smith. You know, he started out as a power forward. Or he's he was a starting power forward. So we were going with Miles and Jalen Smith. Um, and and then I don't know, it might have been a month, month and a half ago. Jalen gets moved to the to the bench, and we insert Aaron Neesmith into the starting lineup. And I think that was a good move. Um. Jalen is one of those like it's tough he 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 may just kind of be a he may be a backup big and that there's nothing wrong with that I mean I'm not throwing shade at the guy it's just there was there was there was a world before the season started that I thought Jalen Smith could take a huge leap forward and he hasn't done that to this point he rebounds the basketball well he I think he's probably our best rebounder. You know, maybe Terry Taylor, but Terry Taylor doesn't see the court, so it's like it doesn't doesn't really matter how good you can rebound if you're not playing. Jalen Smith can rebound the ball at an above-average level. And and in theory, he's a good three-point shooter, but he just hasn't knocked him down consistently this year. Um, He's shooting almost four attempts a game. Well, no, he's shooting three and a half attempts a game. And that just made me think about in comparison, you know, Mathrin is shooting just like one more three a game than Jalen Smith and Jalen Smith, he's only clipping him at 28% at this point. So below average three point shooting on a decent amount of attempts really kind of lowers the, you know, kind of like it just kind of lowers the the, the type of player that he is if he's not knocking those down at you know 34, 35 36%. Um but I don't know. I like Jalen Smith. Out of the three guys, I would say he's he's probably holding up the best. Chris Duarte it's it's just been a really tough season so far for him. He's he's a scorer that's not scoring. And I I knew that he wasn't scoring um just by watching the games this season but I looked at the stats you know in kind of preparation for this podcast and like he's been injured a few times um so he's kind of been battling back from injury and then he's fighting with just a super crowded rotation when it comes to the guard guard wing type position I mean we're stacked we're stacked at that position it's like and it sucks because Duarte I I still think he's a really good player. It's just like he just doesn't really fit our team at this point. Um and I you know, it's I, I don't know. I don't know about Duarte, but like I you know, his his numbers are his numbers are really bad. He he's shooting 32% from the field, 27% from 3. Um you know, so it's like he's he's actually shooting worse from three-point line than Jalen Smith. And and it's just, it's like one of those things where Duarte, he had one game. I don't remember who we were playing, but he had like a 30-point game. And it was like, oh, shit. We got Duarte. um We got Matt. Like, we've got gunslingers out here. And it just, he just hasn't found a consistent rhythm yet this season. And it sucks. It, it really does suck because... He was our lottery pick two years ago. He was, uh, I think he made second team All-NBA last year. Or not, all, not All-NBA, but all he's second team All-Rookie. And I don't know. It, it's one of those things where it's like, if you got Buddy Healed and you got Aaron Neesmith and you got uh, Benedict Matherin, like, where is where is Duarte's role? And and really, he doesn't have a role right now with the team. and And that's just what, it, I, it does suck because I like Duarte as a heat check type kind of guy coming off the bench but we just don't we don't need him to do that and, and I don't know. I, I I don't know it's stocks really low right now on Duarte. Um, we'll just have to see. but he that's why he fits in this category of like these young prospects have certainly not taken a step forward Duarte's down in every category from last year his rookie season um and then the last guy Isaiah Jackson you know he he was getting some good opportunity at the beginning of the season but ever since Jalen Smith got moved to the bench from the starting lineup now J like Isaiah Jackson's not getting any consistent run um I still like Isaiah Jackson, 100%. I I would still be holding on to all my Isaiah Jackson stock. Really, and that's why I said, like, with this whole category of these young prospects, like, I, I'm i not giving up on any of these guys. If I had to give up on one of them, it would probably, probably be Duarte solely on the fact that, like, I just don't see him having a role with this team. Whereas, like, there's a world for sure where maybe the Pacers don't have miles Turner anymore. And now all of a sudden Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson become way more valuable. Um, but I don't see us getting rid of Nee Smith and buddy healed, uh, in order to open up the type of minutes that would require crystal Warte to flourish. So, and I even said this in that podcast, eight games into the season, it was under my breath, but I was like, Duarte may be the kind of guy that, you know, we gotta trade because it's just like I don't I don't see the minutes. Um but back to Isaiah Jackson, he hasn't been getting consistent run lately. He um but, I, but he's the guy that I'm the most bullish on of these three just because I think he has a role as a backup, potentially a starter, big, you know, that, that can defend the paint as far as blocking shots, catch lobs. Um, he just turned 21 years old. He's got great moments. He's had some big games. If you look at this, I mean, like look at his box scores. He's had some great games. Um, he got called down to the, uh, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, which is pretty close to where I'm at. So I went over and watched him play uh, a game when he was with the Mad Ants against the, uh, the Windy City Bulls. And he put up 24 points, 12 rebounds off the top of my head. And it's like, you wouldn't even... It's, it was such a weird... The, the G League experience is so different because it's like, there might have been 750 people in this arena in Fort Wayne that holds like 12,000. And so, it was, I mean, I, I, was, I went with a friend and... I was like self conscious talking to my friend during the game because I felt like the whole arena could hear me talking to him. Um, but just the vibe of of a G League game, in comp- it's it's weird because they do a lot of the same type of things that you find at an NBA game. So it's like there's like you know you got your cheer- you got your your Mad Ant cheerleader squad, you got your Mad Ant uh, drum drum squad, you got your Mad Ants like MC the Mad Ants mascot so like during the timeouts and and breaks in the game it's like the same kind of vibe that you get like at the Pacers games but it's just like at a D minus level it's just like it's really really sad and almost depressing because I I was was talking to my friend there at the game and I was like dude how I think it would like do you think these guys like get up for these games like are they you know like oh man I want to fucking win this game you know like this, these fucking Windy City Bulls coming in here, like, we're gonna kick their ass. Like, I don't think they do. Because <laughs> it, it's like, if you were playing in college or, and especially for a guy like Isaiah Jackson, who's played big minutes and big games like, at the NBA level. And I was talking to my wife, too, because it's like, this was just recently, really. It was like, I saw him play the mat, like, with in Fort Wayne on a Wednesday, and then we were just watching that Knicks game where Turner didn't play. So Jackson was getting a ton of minutes and it was at Madison square garden in New York city, like packed house. It's just like the, like for him, like just the difference in one week, What that like the vibes of playing a basketball game, I don't really know where I'm going with this. Oh, just the fact like it like, so I, when I heard that he was coming to Fort Wayne, I was like, all right, I'm going to the game. I got to watch Jackson play. And there was a really interesting moment where he like, he started talking shit to the assistant coaches for the Windy City Bulls and was just like I think it was I don't know who started it, it was, there was like one of the coaches for the Bulls was kind of kind of chirping at at Matt or at um, at Jackson's you know just I don't even know what he was saying but it was I was just watching it happen and Jackson was kind of chirping back at him and then like Jackson got like the next two plays I think he had like a dunk and then he got another dunk and in between those dunks, he had a block shot and he kind of like pointed. Oh, yeah, because then I think that maybe the Bulls called the timeout and Jackson like pointed over at the bench, <laughs> the bench of the Bulls. It was just kind of like, you know, like sit the fuck down, man, like get out of my face. Um, the point being like, I'm glad that Jackson got a little, you know, it's like he wasn't playing. He wasn't he was getting D&P. So it's like, yeah, send him down, let him get some run. Um but it just sucks that he's not getting. He's he hasn't been able to carve out like a consistent role on this team, like on a night in, night out basis, in the regular season for the you know during the NBA season. But um, I'm not. I I love Ijax. Like I, I we, we got time. I think we got time with him. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not discouraged with him, even though he hasn't been able to get the much much on to on court run this year, especially lately. Okay, uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, I just talked about, you know, the, the young guys that haven't taken a step forward. This is more positive again. And this is the fact that our veterans are playing their ass off. Um, Buddy Healed, Miles Turner, TJ McConnell. I lumped Aaron Smith in here just because He's not really a vet. He's just as young as as, as Tyrese and Jalen and and Ijax and, and those guys. But at the same time, it's like he has he played for the Celtics. Um these guys have just been incredible. I mean, Buddy Heal to start with has just he's been an absolute flamethrower. Leading the NBA in threes this year, three pointers made. He's averaging almost four three pointers made a game, and he's shooting them at just under 43%. Buddy, everything you hear about him, it's like the dude all he does is hoop. He's all, and it's funny watching cuz like he is. He's always trying to get shots up, he's always trying to touch the basketball during the game. If you're watching, like he'll try to grab it from the ref. He'll try to shoot extra shots like when a timeout's called. Like he's just always shooting the basketball and touching the basketball and he is just having an incredible season. It's like, Buddy is the. Buddy is just he is he's been such a joy to watch, and it, and a lot of it is because he's kind of connected at the hip to Tyrese Halliburton, and the fact that, you know, they played together in Sacramento, they came over to the Pacers in that trade with Sabonis. Him and him and Tyrese have a great relationship. I mean, Tyrese calls Buddy his big brother, uh, and Buddy's just been straight up balling. I mean, he. Really has been incredible. Like, I think he's averaging like 18 or 19 points a game. Um, he's just I mean, four or a game is insane. Like that's 12 points right there. Every single game you can count on from buddy. And he doesn't have a ton of like bonehead, bonehead plays. And he's, he's, he's a big reason why the Pacers have won as many games as they have. And he's just like, I kind of get into this on the next point a, a little bit more with buddy but like if i if, if i was kevin pritchard or chad buchanan there's a ton of different ways to like there's a ton of different ways to proceed with the pacers and like before the season started and i still think this is where i lean only because we have benedict Matherin and now aaron Niesmith, it's like and andrew nimhardt as, I don't know. This is truly 50-50 for me. Like I, I think I want the Pacers to move on from Buddy Healed, only for the fact that I think it makes our team better three to five years from now. But you could, there's a strong, 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 strong case, and it seems... I mean, he's leading the NBA in threes. So, like, are you telling me you can't find a... Am I telling myself that there's not a, a, a role on our team, on a championship-contending team, where Buddy Heald is is on the team, especially because he fits culturally. He he's thirty years. He just turned thirty, but like his game is not based off of athleticism. It's not based off of, you know. I mean, in a way, it, he does get a lot of his points, kind of like at the because he's using this athleticism. But like, I feel like it's not, it's not like a, a somebody who's like a high flyer type athlete where you're like. Yeah, at 30 it's okay, but at 33 you're not going to want any part of that. He seems like somebody who's whose game is going to age well. So, I hate to like I would hate to see the Pacers move on from Buddy for just like nothing. But if we can get like a legit asset in return, I'm okay with it. He's the hardest person for me. Uh, to play GM with. Like, I don't know what to do with Buddy. I hate the fact that he plays the position where I want to see Mathrin. But he's so good. So it's like I, I'm really torn on Buddy. I'm I'm really torn on Buddy healed. But regardless, that's not, you know, it's like that's why it's just like, hey, we'll just we'll just see what happens. Um I'll just root for him when he's out there wearing a Pacers jersey, one hundred percent. Miles Turner Turner's you know he's having career highs this year 17 points a game, 8 rebounds, he's shooting 38% from the three-point line. Miles has been he's been hungry. He's been hungry, he's been uh He's been getting easy buckets. I was telling my wife this the other night when we were watching the game. I'm like or maybe she brought it up to me like he just He's really benefiting from having Tyrese Halliburton because he's getting three or four layups a game. Just the fact that Tyrese is able to get in the basketball with nobody around him, four feet from the basket, it, you know, I, that's that's a huge reason why why Miles' points are up. And he's just been he's been great. Like he's he's been a pro's pro um, this season. You know, is Miles Turner? the main big man on a championship contending team. Maybe? Maybe I could see it. I mean, he's still relatively young. I think Miles is like 26. So three years from now, he's 29. You know, uh, it's easy to forget about the injuries the past couple seasons, whenever he's been healthy so far this year, for the most part, although he did just miss that Knicks game with like back spasms. Um... I th- for okay, so on the court regular season, yes. Like, I don't think we necessarily need to go find a better big man than Miles Turner. So, I'm not a big fan of trading him for nothing. But the next question that I have is does he fit the identity of the Pacers team? That's going going to be contending for a championship in three to five years, and I just like—I don't think he does, and it sucks. It doesn't suck. It's just like I—I th- I think we take a step back, but I think we sell high on Turner before the trade deadline is what is what I would do. You know, and I and I don't want to just shit on Turner because he's a great player. Like he really is a he's a really good player. I just feel like he he's pretty. I mean, like okay, Uh, it's just such a weird thing to like criticize an NBA player as I'm just this dude here sitting in my bedroom, but. Like he doesn't feel, to me, like, oh, like the kind of warrior that we're gonna need from our big man position, with a Halliburton led team and a Mathurin led team. He's he's just there. Unfortunately, I just feel like in some of the biggest games, like he's just not there, um, and he just feels like. he feels a little too wrapped up in his own game. Like I've said this before on this podcast where it's like, it doesn't necessarily matter what the score is. It's to miles. It's almost more like what's his score look like. Like has he, if he's at like 20 points and he's got four blocks and he's got, you know, eight or nine rebounds, like he's happy as can be. And I don't think it necessarily matters if we're losing or not, and vice versa. Like we can be winning, and if he's struggling, like he's pretty pouty. Um. So I don't know. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. Um, that's that's up for that's up that's we'll just have to see. We're we're gonna know a lot more around that in like a month because I think the trade deadline is like about a month away. So, from what I've heard, the Pacers have tried to maybe make him a contract like a contract offer for the upcoming seasons and he's not he hasn't been interested in those so far um so he may not even want the Pacers and so by all means get trade him I know he has he has definitely helped the team win games this year no question about it we would be a much worse team if we did not have Miles Turner and we were playing Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith and goga batase in those minutes like we would be a much worse team no there's we certainly would but that it's like that's when i go back to the the mindset kind of going into the season when everyone was projecting us to be like the worst team um just because we suffer if he's not there it's like that's okay because i don't know if he fits 3 to 5 years that great so i don't know i don't know about that one um tj mcconnell tj mcconnell is just he's fucking great man like tj mcconnell is just he has been he always has been he's he's just been one of those guys that you love to root for he always brings the energy he always brings the toughness um i was watching some sort of interview maybe like a practice interview or something within the past couple of weeks. And, you know, it's interesting to think about the way that TJ McConnell can help develop our young guards like Tyrese and Benedict and, and Andrew because of the way that he's able to push them in practice every day. McConnell was talking about matching up against Halliburton in practice. And he's like, yeah, you know, like I can push him because there's just like not many guys in the NBA that play as hard as me and there's no question about that because you watch you watch any NBA game and you're like how is this guy even playing like he doesn't shoot he's 6 foot he um it's because just it, it's his mentality and his ability to get he's fearless and so i just love the idea of halliburton having to go against that every single day in practice because it's like any I've said this about TJ. It's like he capitalizes on your weaknesses. It's like if you're, if you're even at all like nonchalant or with the basketball or just kind of being lazy about some things, like he just makes sure that you can't get away with that. And so for our stud franchise point guard to have to go up against a guy that doesn't let him get away with anything in practice, that is very, very, very beneficial. Um, and it may be one of the reasons why Halliburton has a four to one assist to turnover ratio rather than a three to one. I don't know. I'm making shit up as I go. But like there's got to be value in going up against McConnell every day. Aaron Niesmith has been um, especially recently. He's been he's been very, very nice. He's kind of similar to McConnell in the way that he gets up in guys. He plays with a ton of energy. I've been really impressed with some of the loose balls or like rebounds that, that Nee Smith comes up with, especially the kind of in clutch moments. He's a really good athlete. He, he's shown that he can shoot the ball pretty well. Like I know that's what his kind of MO was coming into the NBA. Like when he got drafted, it was, he was a lottery pick. I think he was the, he was the 14th pick in the same draft where Halliburton was 12 and Jalen Smith was 10. Um, but yeah, Aaron Nismith—he looks like a rotational guy f- to me. Um, you know, his 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 strengths are defense, effort, shooting, toughness. I think that we could find a role for him for sure. I- ideally, you know, maybe three to five years from now, we're talking about. And, and I don't know. I mean, it's the 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 rosters turnover so much. It's like impossible to project three years from now. But like, I could see. You know, is there potentially a world where like Smith is our first guard off the bench? And maybe we pl- maybe we start three guards. It's like Halliburton, Nimhard and Mathrin, And then what we really need is like a big, big, almost like a Turner. And then uh, we can't like what we're doing now is like with Turner and then like four guards, basically like the way that the Pacers are playing games now would be like, OK, we're going to do Turner. Halliburton, Nimhard, Matherin, and Neesmith. Those are, those are like four guys that are a little too small, but if you drop off one of those guys and then you plug in somebody who's like 6'8, 6'9, 6'10, now I think you really got something. And so, you know, maybe Neesmith's not a starter for us, but maybe he's coming off the bench. I think he definitely has a role. I like him. He's an asset, no question about it. He makes that Malcolm Brogdon trade look. Um, favorable. Uh, I would would rather have, even though Brogdon is a better player this year than Neesmith, I'd rather have Neesmith for our team and where we're headed at this point than Brogdon. Plus, we were able to pick up a first-round pick. Plus, we have Daniel Tice, who kind of leads me into the last thing I want to talk about on this episode, which is, you know, what moves, if any, are the pacers able to make before the trade, de- trade deadline, which is a month away. Right now, we have nothing short of a log jam at that guard, small wing type position. Um, obviously... We're not getting rid of Tyrese. We're not getting rid of Ben. We're not getting rid of Andrew. Buddy is a big question mark. Aaron Neesmith, probably not going to get rid of him. Chris Duarte, maybe. TJ McConnell. That's seven guys that need minutes. And um, I don't know. It'll just be interesting. I, I, I would like to see some sort of relief. At the at the trade deadline, um, from that position, we need bigger wings. We need we need guys that can play the way that like O'Shea Brissett does, kind of in that six seven, ideally up to like six ten type role. Um, Daniel Tice, right? Like he's somebody that I'd like to see the Pacers move off from, and maybe we could get something in return, like even if it's just like a second round pick or something. Just he's not he hasn't played a single game yet, so I don't know if, if he's even you know, if anybody would even take him, but I think that they've just been playing it safe with, with Tice. They just, you know, he doesn't, he like, he's not part of the long-term future. I, the last, uh, the last thing I heard from him was within the last week, Rick Carlisle mentioned that he was like weeks away rather than months away with his, whatever injury he's dealing with. So that kind of makes sense. Like maybe, maybe that we'll be looking to move on from Tice, um, but yeah, who knows? There could be bigger splashes. Like there's, if you look up the Pacers and if you Google the Pacers and you hit news, you're going to find some rumors. There's been some links to like a guy like John Collins from the Hawks who were about to, who the Pacers are playing right now, which I'll be ready to wrap this up and, and turn on that game and see what's going on. But like, so I'm, let me just rattle through these four guys here. I, I've heard links to like John Collins OG and Cam Reddish, OB topping. Um, I I would be excited for any one of those players. Uh, I think they all have something that the Pacers could definitely need and they all are young enough that they could fit in that 3 to 5 year window. My biggest concern would be giving up giving up too much for those guys. The only guy that I'd be willing to kind of give up, you know, some draft assets and stuff for would probably be like, well, let me get the, let me, let me say like, okay, so we have three first round picks next year. If it's like, okay, get rid of a first round pick, but you can, you can get, um, you know, first round picks still seem, if you could get like Obi Toppin for a first round, one of like one of those later first round picks this year, like I, I would definitely sign up for that. Kind of the same, like I wouldn't really care if we did that for Cam Reddish. I, I I would roll the dice on him. Just because these guys don't grow on a grow on trees. Like these are all that 6'8, 6'9, 6'10 type players. OG Ananobi is somebody that I'd be willing to give up some serious assets for. And John Collins, I'd be willing to give up a little bit for. Um, but you know, that's all just like we'll just have to wait and see. We'll have to just wait and see how that, how that, how that goes. Um, So yeah, that's, I'm trying to think, I I guess that's probably all I really got right now. Uh, Glad I did it. Glad, glad we're back on here. Glad we got this one. uh, Glad we got this one in the books. And um, let's see. Yeah. Happy New Year's. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, I'm doing great. Uh, If you, if you listen to this, you may have picked up. I had, uh, I had twin daughters back in October of 2021. So they're about 15 months old at this point. They're getting into everything. Um, they are fun though, for sure. And, uh, I, uh, I, I was taking care of them alone today. So I've dressed them up my wife put them in. My wife made these uh, really cute little pacer onesies. We've got Tyrese Halliburton that I put on my little daughter, and then I got Benedict Mathurin that I put. She's uh, on my little, slightly larger daughter. Uh, so I was able to watch them. I needed the motivation because I was like, "All right, I'm gonna do a podcast tonight." So I put those girls in the pacer gear, and um, yeah, I think it went okay. So. Uh, if you uh if you thank you for listening to the podcast I guess and um if you're interested I would just I would just like to mention again there is a thing out there called podcasting 2.0 which is essentially um it's called value for value podcasting and the app that I use the most is um Fountain podcast And you can download Fountain the same way that you would download iTunes or Spotify or or any other podcasting app. And the difference is every single day, the first hour of podcasting that you listen to, you earn Satoshis, which are little fractions of Bitcoin. And just as a and the and the other thing is like. As you're earning those Satoshis, you can just keep those for yourself and you can just watch your little um, stash of Bitcoin grow. Or you can do something with those where you can um, give those out via streaming it to podcast podcasters that you're listening to or boosting. So like one of the things that I find that I do is like I'm a little too cheap where like I like stacking sats more than streaming sats to somebody else. But in a, on a typical day, let's say I listen to cuz I do. I listen to a lot of podcasts. So like I definitely like on a typical day like I might earn from listening just like th- like let's say I earn like 300 sats on a day. What I might do is if there's a podcast that I like, I might boost I might give a boost of like a hundred sats to that podcast. And I've been doing this for like six months now. And just for, you know, if anybody's interested in doing it, I currently have like 14,000 sats, which is about like three bucks. Not, I mean, I'm not getting, this isn't my retirement. You know, I'm not planning to retire off of this podcasting app. But it's kind of nice to see, like, oh, all I do is listen to when I'm listening to podcasts. I might as well earn a little bit of money. So not only have I earned about three bucks worth of sats, um, but I've I give I give back to the uh, podcasters that I listen to, and I like to do boosts. And it was really cool, actually. Like I was listening to um, a Bitcoin podcast the other day, and I boot I gave a boost of like you know I I boosted a hundred sats and. Then somebody must have, like, I, 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 I made a comment when I, because, like, when you give the boost, you can give a comment. So I, I made a comment, like, oh, I'd really enjoy to, uh, to if you were to bring back, like, more technical analysis. Um, I'm, I'm in the weeds. This is, like, really kind of Bitcoin talk. But at the same time, it's, like, so I made this, I, I boosted the podcast 100 sats, and I made a comment of, like, I would like it if you if you brought back, like, more, of the technical analysis. Well, then some stranger that I don't even know saw my comment and liked it, and when they liked my comment, they left me ten sats. So it's like it's just a it's just fascinating to me this whole uh, idea of value for value and how it goes like in many different directions. So I am not asking. If you're listening to this podcast to send me sats, I just, I truly think that if you're going to listen to podcasts, like you can, you can, you can kind of like, uh, you can, there's value in your attention listening to podcasts and you can take that value and you can spread it out. You can keep it for yourself. You can do a combination of both. So, um, yeah. So I just wanted to share podcasting 2.0 fountain podcast app is the one I use. There's many out there. Um, but yeah, that is going to be, that's going to be a wrap for episode 73. Apologies for the gap. I'm human. Um, that's how, that's how it goes. So, all right. Peace and love everybody. Go Pacers.